Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NFL show, episode 36. My name is Dan Frost, and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business, uh, tonight we've got Beck, we've got Alex, no Stacey tonight, but guys, we're getting towards the end of our first season here at Mojo Sports, and it's been one hell of a year, and uh, well, it was another great week of NFL football here in week 14. Uh, Beck, who was, your, who was your most impressive performance from the week? I mean, I can't go past my Seattle Seahawks, winning two weeks in a row, stepping it up, creating that run game with Rashad Penny, Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, reconnecting like it was... It was a great game to see and, you know, after such a rough season with injuries and so many losses that we are not used to having, seeing them come out and look like the old-style Seahawk offense was, yeah, super impressive and I'm very happy. Yeah, no, it was great to see them uh, get a bit of confidence uh, boost there in that game and they were just making plays, you know, even Lockett, you know. I I think that's been part of the challenge for them this year is just no one was making plays and they certainly come up big in that one. Uh, Alex, what about yourself? You've got to, you know, I, I guess... A mixed mixed feelings about the weekend, but uh, who was your most impressive performance? Yeah, mixed feelings. I mean, the Bears went into the Packers game winning at halftime, so I got to say, great first half, great second half, really good job from the special teams. I think that's probably been one of my favorite games, like Bears-Packers games in a long time, just because it's always been one-sided. I thought the refs were like, fair across the board for both teams which was good I know last time they played the refs really made an impact on the game and it just wasn't fun to watch but a game like that where we kind of came out we scored early we started on the front foot like it just shows Justin Fields development and I think it shows the development of the team as a whole kind of moving forward we did have some injuries but special teams man 97 yard touchdown tiptoe on that sideline like come on like they just they just did well and we got some speed where we need to have speed so Mm -hmm. I'm excited for like the next couple of games. Yeah, definitely. Now definitely a bit of juice there. And, uh, you know, Justin Fields, he's a baby face. He's so young and you could just see that, that that's great experience for him because, you know, that, that loss will sting and, um, you know, he knows how important this rivalry is. And you just wonder, you know, whether, whether that's going to flip in, in his favor over the next few years, because uh, in the biggest, in the biggest moments, he certainly looks special. Speaking of big moments, speaking of special, uh, I guess we called it here. We, we put a lot of pressure on Justin Herbert from the LA Chargers, come on, let's uh, let's step it up. Let's get out of this funk and, and show us something. Well, did he did he perform? He threw a sixty yard uh, touchdown pass to Jalen uh, Guyton, and and it, it is it is a thing of absolute beauty uh, for our NFL purists out there. If you haven't seen it, go and have a look at the highlights. That was truly special, and um, you know, it just reminds you of just uh, yeah, just where this kid's headed. And another little shout out to uh, in, in I guess in second position there is the Cowboys defense. Uh, they are. Uh, they, they look like something. And Micah Parsons, you know, he's well on track to win Defensive Player of the Year with uh, the injury to TJ Watt. And who knows, throw him in the conversation for, for the, just the general MVP of the year. He is an absolute game-breaker. Um, Dak Prescott, though, uh, you need to, uh, he needs to certainly find some form there, that's for sure. All right, guys, let's jump into our first segment for tonight, the breakdown. It's do or die. One game. Got hit in the mouth and acted like somebody took our lunch money. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Um, not everything went to plan at all. Um. And they run through our ass like through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, and this week in our first feature game, we see the Cleveland Browns coming up against the Las Vegas Raiders in what is another crucial clash in the AFC. Alex, I never like to say I told you so on this show, but I kind of did when it comes to the Raiders. I, I think my exact quote was, there's a collapse coming, you know, all of this pressure off the field. It's eventually going to boil over and they're going to collapse. We saw that on the weekend against Kansas City. Talk to us about your thoughts on that game. They just did not have any juice on either side of the football. Yeah, no, definitely that. I mean, they have so many moments, right? And I think we kind of said a couple, couple weeks ago, like they needed some coffee, like Dunkin' Donuts needs to like spur them. And it's just still not working for them. They struggled big time against the Chiefs. And I think, you know, Dan, as you said, like it's kind of all imploded in this one game. But I mean, Derek Carr didn't have like a bad game per se as far as stats. Like they just, I mean, look, Renfro was 13 receptions for 117 yards and one touchdown, right? So he got 13 of his 14 targets. So clearly he's got Renfro's favorite. But their next, their next receiver was Josh Jacobs. And I think that's a tough one when Josh Jacobs is also your top runner as well. So I think we're with teams that are utilizing their top runners as their second-tier receiver or their top receiver, I think it just shows kind of that depth that they do not have in that receiving core that they desperately need to find and plug that hole. But that defense, which, I mean – they started the season five and two with a defense that was strong, that was getting sacks that were getting interceptions. And now the defense just kind of isn't playing at all. I think they're just really slow to start this week. Like, and I think that's coming off the impact of all of this off field stuff. Like they're just, their head's not in the game when they start. It's been really tough season with injuries and everything else. They're starting really slow. And then once they're behind, it's really hard for them to catch up. And it's really going to show how much this depth is impacting them when they do come up against tough teams like Kansas City and other teams that are really strong front runners are really going to prove, like Raiders are really going to have to step up and prove whether they are a team to beat or whether it was kind of like a jinx at the beginning of the season or is their season done? Like it's, yeah, I kind of feel sorry for them, but I also feel like they still have a little bit of potential. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I think they just don't have the experience to get those comeback wins. And I think that's so hard with Derek Carr because you can see it in him. He does try and do everything he can. He does try and find the open player. He does try and work with what he has. But he's working with some young kind of experienced guys who just probably just get tired or they just don't have that drive. And I think when you're trying to bounce back on wins, I mean, look, it's what week we're coming up to week 15 We're coming up to the end of the season. It's a long season. It's a tough season with COVID, with injury. So, I mean, I get that these guys are tired, but you got to dig deep and find it somewhere because that's just to lose like, what was it? 40 something to nine is just not okay for a team that was winning close games in overtime. Yeah. And it's got to be really tough as an offense when your defense is struggling on the field and these other teams are putting so many points up on you, you're sitting on the sideline, you're getting cold, you're watching your defense, you know, pour their hearts out on the field and just not like getting scored on over and over again, like to come out as an offense, to have to come from behind to beat that. And it it just, like you said, everyone's tired. They're exhausted. It's, it's a, it's a battle for them at the moment, I think for the Raiders. 
Yeah, I think with the NFL, whenever you see a blowout score, I guess alarm bells should be ringing because we just don't see it anymore. You know, in, in this level of competition, you know, teams might come out and they might have a few, you know, fast, you know, first quarter, second quarter, the game's over. But often you see the team fight back and there was just no fight from this team. It just means that obviously their interim coach, you know, he obviously had a little bit of momentum for a couple of weeks that's obviously faded away, and I think reality has certainly settled in for this franchise. I don't think bye week did them any favors either because they've lost five of the last six since their bye week. I think they're a team that when they're hot, they need to stay kind of consistent, and I don't think bye week did them any favors. It might have helped them with some of the injuries and get that rest and kind of let the smoke kind of blow over, but it definitely hasn't helped with their play. It hasn't helped with their ability to gel. I mean, obviously, Renfro. As long, fingers crossed he stays healthy for them because between him and Josh Jacobs, I don't know who else you have on offense. Yeah, and, and it is absolutely incredible that Hunter Renfro is their number one receiver. You know, a great player, a great guy in the slot, um, but the fact that he's your your leading receiver and basically your biggest weapon in offense, because Josh Jacobs, he's getting just getting run into the ground. You know, the offensive line, they're not exactly dominating, creating big gaps for him. So he's just playing smash mouth football at the moment. So you've just got to cross your fingers that he can get through the season. But uh, look, difficult times there for the Raiders. Let's flip it over now to... I guess a really perplexing football team and one that's really, really interesting, and that is the Cleveland Browns. Alex, I'm going to throw this at you because, you know, watching this game, obviously they come out on fire against the Ravens. They put up a dominant lead, and then everyone in the stadium gets nervous because you feel like, oh, no, here we go again. You know, despite the fact that Lamar went down injured, you've got a a QB2 coming in. You know, Cleveland very much, you know, nearly lost this game, and I guess we're the AFCs at the moment. You lose one game and you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the AFC is really tough to call right now. Um, And I think you've got to be winning games. And I think for the Browns, it's just that it's that consistency with them right now. I think with injuries and as far as those been on the COVID list, they've struggled to find that consistency with their run game a little bit with injuries, you know, to that factor there. I mean, they struggled to run the ball against the Ravens. They went down the field with help from the Ravens. Now, if you're running like a, what was it, like a 60 or 50 yard drive and 41 of those yards are coming off penalties, you're not doing much as an offense. You're like sitting back there going, please do a hold, or like, please get some pass interference, like do something that helps us because they just weren't clicking, but they were still able to kind of put what 24 points up in the first half. And then the second half, they did nothing. I mean, thank God for their defense if you're a Browns fan, because that is the only reason that they are staying in some of these games. Yeah, and Beck, when, when you look at this clash, I, I mean, Cleveland should absolutely dominate uh, Vegas, uh, you know, just where the, where the franchises both are at this point. But, you know, you just lack confidence in and around Cleveland because of Baker Mayfield. And, and, and it's hard to, you know, it, it's hard to know, you know, where he is as a player because of his injuries. I mean, you know... My, I was was about to say most uh, players are injured at this time of year. Let's rephrase that. All players are injured at this time of year. But, you know, Mayfield's got four, five serious injuries. And, uh, yeah, it's it's just hard to to predict. So, you know, uh, Baker Mayfield being very much up and down at the moment doesn't help things for the Browns. Yeah, it's super hard to predict this one, especially, like you said, with Baker Mayfield being injured because I think he is this offense at the moment. So it all comes down to how he's playing and whether he's showing up and being able to play through these injuries and put up some plays on the board and, you know, get the ball to his receivers because, you know, like, I mean, most teams do rely on their quarterback, but I think this offense heavily relies on Baker Mayfield having a good game because if he doesn't, they're losing. 
and it's all on their defense to try and turn it around and make a stop for them. Alex, let's jump into our predictions now. Now I'm going to go Cleveland in this one, but predominantly for the defense, you know, I do have concerns about where this offense is headed. You know, as soon as you slow down the Browns running game, they find themselves into trouble. Uh, The receivers are starting to look a little bit suspect, which is a concern after losing Odell Beckham uh, to the Rams. So, uh, but for me, there's still that there's still that elite talent on the defensive side of the ball, which you know theoretically should be the difference in this one. Yeah, I think this is going to be a somewhat like ugly game. I don't see it being super high scoring. I think it's it's going to come down to who's awake in the first quarter and who stays awake for the rest of the game. It has nothing. I don't think it's going to come down to like. They're going to outrun them or they're going to outthrow them. It's literally going to come down to who wants it a little bit more, who's going to be awake, and who mentally is switched on. Because between, and I think that Cleveland's going to edge out the Raiders here because I do think that their defense is what's taping them and holding them together in this in this race for the playoffs. Yeah, so you've got uh, you've got Cleveland in this one as well. Yeah, Beck. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll ask for your tip here to see if we've got a clean sweep, but. Uh, and another interesting storyline on this one will be Derek Carr. Now, I think everyone here on the podcast believes that he is their their future. You know, he's definitely a franchise player, but you know what it's like. You know, when, when a new coach is going to come in next season, they're having a difficult year. There's a lot of pressure on him. So, you know, I, I guess it, it would be good to see Derek Carr sort of uh, perform well uh, towards the back end of the season. But, uh, yeah, talk to us a little bit about Derek Carr and then give us your prediction on this one. Yeah, I mean, I think we all have a bit of a soft spot for Derek Carr at the moment because of everything he's gone through and just the way that he's playing through it. And it'll be really sad if they don't keep him on at the Raiders. I think the fans will be very disappointed. Um, But also, I think that we've seen him lose some pretty crucial games and, you know, some pretty high-scoring games. And he always tends to bounce back and come back the next week and put on a show for everyone. And I think that's what's going to happen with this Raiders team, right? Like, for some reason, when something bad happens or, you know, they have a big loss, they tend to come together as a team and they bounce back back and they come out and they play twice as hard the following week and I think that that's what's going to happen against the Browns and they are going to win yeah so we're you, you the Raiders you, you've got you've got the Raiders, yeah, I'm, I'm very, Raiders I, I feel like I have like a really soft spot for them and I have before this season as well like I've always kind of like they've always been like my second third team that I kind of go to and look at and I feel like this season was supposed to be their season and I want to back them so I'm going to continue to back them uh, look I love the bravery look I wasn't going to go that far but I, I, I definitely this is going to be a tight game so I've got Cleveland close so I uh, definitely want to keep an eye on All right, guys, let's move through now to our next feature game uh, where we see another big clash uh, in the AFC where we see the Pittsburgh Steelers take on the Tennessee Titans. Alex, I'm going to start in Pittsburgh uh, with Big Ben. Is this guy just playing with us? Because, you know, play to play, you can see the inconsistency there where, you know, there is that noodle arm. He looks absolutely shot. And then every so often, every 30th pass, he'll throw an absolute bomb down the field to, to a clay pool. Uh, yeah, talk to us a little bit about the situation there uh, with the Steelers. I think we've covered Big Ben in previous episodes, but it, it just makes it really confusing because, again, similar to a lot of teams in the AFC, they're, they're still in the hunt for the playoffs. Yeah, they are, and I think the biggest thing like across the board when you look at the likes of Pittsburgh is just consistency. Why can't teams just be consistent? Like, Why do you have to go down by two or three touchdowns to go – now we're going to play football. Like I just, it's just not, it's, it's fun to watch, but it's also like stressful. And, and I remember I was, I was talking to Stacy about this game and she was like, Oh, he's not going to get, you know, passing over 200 yards or they're not going to come back. And we were like, hold on, stranger things have happened. And then he comes back, he throws for over 200 and they, they almost win it. So I, just, 
Yeah, Roethlisberger, like, I don't know whether he just likes to, like, just play with fans. And he goes, I, I, I'm I'm not in my prime, guys. Hold on, I can't do it anymore. And then all of a sudden he starts pulling stuff out. You know, like Claypool makes insane catches. Najee Harris had 23 touches and 104 scrimmage yards, like, and two touchdowns. Deontay Johnson, 50 reception yards in 11 straight games. Like, so they're doing well. I think their defense is a little banged up with T.J. Watt being out with that groin injury. I think that's going to maybe – We've seen that with TJ Watt being out before on their defense. That's where they do tend to struggle sometimes. But I do think their offense needs to start early. I think, you know, they needed a couple more seconds. And I think what let them down was that Claypool celebration on that first down where he just, like, held the ball, like, a little too long. And it was like, dude, what are you doing? So I think it's a little bit of a mindset for some of them. Um, that they just need to come out and start early. But, oh, my gosh, when you watch Ben Roethlisberger, it's like, dude, like, what are you doing? And then all of a sudden he pulls stuff out of thin air and you're like, oh, okay, cool. It must be so frustrating for that offense to be playing with him, especially when they know that he's capable, right? Like he probably shows up to practice and throws like 40 to 50-yard passes at practice. But then in game time, it, it might not be happening for them. So, And they have weapons on this offense. Like I said, Najee Harris is a great running back. Like he's had a blowout rookie season and then Claypool is you know their number one receiver over there as well and the fact that they're not getting as much ball to them as what they expect what they had expected in previous seasons would be so frustrating for everyone on the team like not just the receivers but the O-line too like protecting him and giving him time and then him just not getting that ball off like it's yeah it's strange he almost looked happy when he got sacked in the Vikings games. Like he would just kind of like lie on the floor and he was just like, Oh yeah. Well, okay. Like it's par for the course. Like he's like, he's waiting for something. I'm not sure. I'm like, just come out of the gate swinging. I don't know why they struggle so much to start strong. He's definitely, like, definitely. I don't know whether that's an age thing or, or what that is, but they've got to start stronger than they have in the last three games. I think he's just on his uh, farewell tour and uh, he's accepting that, uh, yeah, two or three sacks is just part and parcel of, uh, of his games at the moment. But, no, it is a little bit interesting. And, you know, I, I think the Steelers, they're in an interesting situation. Obviously, they're going to have to look at QB uh, next year, but there are a few pieces away from being, you know, something a little bit interesting as well. I would like to see another running back join uh, that, that, that club, um, just to take a little bit of pressure off Najee because his volume is unbelievable. And we just know where this story is going to head in, in two, three years time when you are a contender and you want to compete for a Super Bowl or compete in the playoffs, he's just not going to have it because you're going to burn him out. So it just, yeah, it's great to see Najee playing really well, uh, especially, you know, me following Alabama, uh, love his background, love his quality, love his pedigree, but it just does seem a little bit, uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a concern when you're uh, when you're in a season like this. Uh, let's flip it over now uh, to the Tennessee Titans. And Alex, you know, this, I think we've spoken about this previously, you know, this entire football club, this entire franchise has been built off the back of their running back, Derrick Henry. I guess it could be worse. You know, Derrick Henry could be out for the entire season. He'll be back for the playoffs, potentially that last week if they need him, if they need to rush him back to sort of get into the playoffs. I guess you would, you would have forgiven the Titans for completely falling away, given all of their injuries and losing Derrick Henry, but um, somehow, some way, they they they're just hanging on. Yeah, they're they're definitely just kind of hanging on. I think they're definitely waiting for AJ Brown to come back. They're definitely waiting for Derrick Henry to come back. I mean, when you look at their last game against the Jags, now we got to keep in mind this was against the Jags. Okay, so like we can't take this win as like, oh look at the Titans, they're fabulous. They were playing the Jags, so like it's not it's not a 
it's not a, it's a win's a win, but it's not like a nice win. It's not a pretty win. You beat the Jags. So it was great to see Julio Jones kind of back from injury and him getting back in there. Um, but I was interested to see kind of like their distribution between the wide receivers. Like there are about 13 players. Nope, not 13. No, 13 Titans players that got their hands on the ball. I'm right. Yeah. Um, and so like that just shows that distribution. Like in a game like that, you can do that against the Jaguars, right? You can just kind of pick different players because they're going to be open. So I think that's what's kind of keeping them kind of afloat is that kind of consistency and utilizing more players. I do think that you're kind of seeing them hold on for AJ Brown and Derrick Henry. Like they're not really trying to find a plan B. They're like, well, we're waiting for our plan A to come back because our plan A is awesome. But it's like, what if Derrick Henry comes back and he's not awesome, right? I mean, they had no 50-yard rusher and no 50-yard receiver in this last game against the Jaguars. And you would think in, in, in a team that's kind of sitting bottom four, bottom three in most of their as far as ranking goes on defense – that you would be able to get multiple players over 50 yards receiving, multiple players over 50 yards rushing, and they still weren't able to do that. Yeah, and there's a few concerns with it. I think Julio Jones may have lost his gold jacket, his Hall of Fame jacket, in just one season. You know, he has all the talent, all of the production at Atlanta, wasn't winning, you know, and you could see this Titans team was was on the verge of doing something special. And, and I guess no one could have really predicted, you know, uh, the fact that they've you know, kind of struggled. That they, you know, they've still got an impressive record. They're first in the AFC, but you can still see the holes in this team. And Julio Jones, he's been riddled with injuries. And I just wonder, you know, unless he can sort of turn it around the next few weeks, this is, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of a uh, lot of pressure in and around him. Speaking of pressure, uh, the pressure on Ryan Tannehill, that's just not going to work. You know, I actually think it's a credit to Tannehill in terms of being able to keep you know, this offense ticking over because he is under fire constantly. Uh, The Titans really need to really need to address that. That's for sure. Definitely. When you're playing a team that is ranked 27th, as far as sacks go in the league, and you're still getting through or allowing them to get through and hit the quarterback and sack him four times, there is something extremely wrong there. In my opinion, like you just shouldn't be able to get the quarterback. You shouldn't be able to pressure the quarterback as many times as they did. He should be able to stand in that pocket and have all the time in the world to throw as long of a pass as he wants. But I mean, the Jags are still able to get through. So if I was look, if they want to, if they're genuinely serious about this playoff push, they need to do something to their O line because when you come against up a stronger team, especially in playoffs, you're gonna need that protection on Tannehill. And I think what's keeping them in the game is their defense, really, because like you said, their offense isn't really doing much and moving the ball. They're not looking impressive. Like they're just kind of toting along until, like you said, their big time players come back. But this defense, I feel like, has been able to maintain the quality of play and keep them in the game up until, you know, hopefully getting keeping them in the playoffs. Yeah, and you can just tell that Mike Frabel would not have been happy with that O-line play. He just looks like an angry guy. He looks like that guy that kind of yells at retail workers. So I can only imagine the spray that he gave those players after that performance because they just were not giving Tannehill any, any help. All right, guys, let's go around the grounds for our predictions here. Beck, starting with you, uh, Titans or Steelers? You know what? I think I'm liking the Steelers for this game. I think, um, you know, they have a pretty strong run game. They have, you know, the receivers that can get the ball if Ben is playing well. And I know, like, he can get off those short passes and things like that. It's more the big-time plays that he's struggling with. So hopefully he can come out and, um, yeah, get the ball to some of those receivers and not just rely on Najee Harris. But also this defense, 
um, I think is just going to, you know, get on top of Tannehill and pressure him in the in the backfield and they don't have much of a running game without Derrick Henry. So, yeah, Steelers on this one. Yeah, look, for me, I'm going to go the Titans only because I cannot go with Big Ben after the season that he's had. Um, and then just to throw in a little bit of um, something special there, have multiple touchdowns on Julio Jones. He needs a big performance over the next week or two. Uh, this is make or break when it comes to his career. So I've got the Titans with not a lot of confidence, though. Uh, Alex, you are the deciding vote here. Uh, which way are you going here in the AFC? Um, I'm going to go with the Steelers uh, just because I think that last kind of push for them um, against the Vikings was good. It was it was impressive to see. I think if they start early, they'll be fine. Again, like Beck said, Titans don't really have a run game. They don't really have a pass game. So I think their defense isn't going to have to stop much. Their secondary is going to have to probably wake up a little bit more than it did against the Vikings. But I see the Steelers taking this one. All right, guys, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yeah, and this week on Rapid Fire, we're going to power through the remaining games uh, in the week. Uh, Alex, starting with you. Ratio. I got Chargers and Chiefs. I don't know. I was looking at this game, I was looking at the stats, and I was looking at the Chiefs, and I don't know if, like, this Chiefs – like, we've been talking about it most of the season. Like, a lot of the losses have come with the fact that the defense hasn't done all that well. Their offense has kind of been slipping a little bit. Their offense kind of looked like they were together. Um, But I think the Chargers don't turn over the ball as much as the teams – like, I don't think they turn over the ball as much as the Raiders did. I don't think they turn over the ball as much as the other teams that the Chiefs have played in the last couple of weeks. So I'm going to go with Chargers over Chiefs on this one, but I think it's going to be close just because I I think that this like big win for the Chiefs that everyone's like, oh boy, they're back. It's just like a spark in the a pan, if you will. Like it's not, I wouldn't be reading too much into it. So I'm going to go Chargers over Chiefs. Colts over Pats. This is my underdog. And I think the Colts and Carson Wentz are a little bit of an interesting kind of like underdog team if you will like everyone just kind of expects less for them and they've shown up in the last couple weeks I think the it'll be interesting to see what they're doing coming off the bye if it's beneficial I think it will be because those injuries they'll get to rest them a little bit especially to their run game so I think when their run game's healthy and their passing game's healthy and that O-line can protect Carson, I think they are going to be able to attack that Bills, that Pats defense um, so I'm going to go Colts over the Patriots. Sorry, Dan. I just, I just think it's going to happen. I do. Yeah, I just think it's Jonathan happen. Taylor. Um, I think we're going to be having nightmare. I think you're gonna. Yeah, I think he's going to kind of run through you guys. <laughs> he's going to be the difference for sure in that game. Um, Bills Panthers. Bills. I, I don't. I would be surprised if Panthers win that one. I think the Bills are just, especially after that kind of comeback they had against the Buccaneers. I just think they have a lot of determination, and the Panthers are just kind of holding on for dear life. Um, so I see the Bills coming over that one. Eagles, Washington. I, I don't know. I think these two teams are pretty evenly matched. I think with with Henneke kind of coming up and doing what he's been doing, and and for them to have as many comeback games as they've had in the last couple of weeks, I am going to pick Washington over the Eagles on this one. Um, just because I think the Eagles are just kind of they're struggling a little bit, and I think they've got to find a few more options that they just don't have right now um, as far as their run and their passing game goes. Um, and I think their defense is a little bit lackluster, and I think Washington's actually stepping up a little bit more when it counts. Um, Dolphins, Jets, 
I don't know, who do you pick out of Dolphins and Jets? Like, I think after the blowout win against the Saints, look, at this point, the Jets are playing for pride. They've been knocked out. They're eliminated from any playoff contention. So this, I think they'll probably come back and maybe try. I think the Dolphins might edge them out. But I think the Jets are playing for pride right now, so they might be able to give the Dolphins a little bit of a run and maybe take a a quick lead. But I think the Dolphins will be able to hang on and win that one. Yeah, I think that's a good tip there. The Jets absolutely stink. It's, uh, it is unbelievable what's happening there in New York for yet another season. All right, let's jump through to my block of games now. And I've got the Baltimore Ravens, a battered, bruised uh, football team coming up against the Green Bay Packers. Look, you know, Green Bay's in a situation where they've got to stop playing with their food. You know, they're being a little bit complacent in different parts of their game. And this is a week where they really need to put the Ravens to the sword. The Ravens, that you speak about a team that's just holding on, and, and this is the Baltimore Ravens. They're going to come out with their QB2. Um, they're going to throw a few uh, trick shots at, at Green Bay. But, um, yeah, you know, the Packers are bored. They're just waiting for the playoffs. But, you know, they really need to continue to, I, I guess, send a statement in the NFC because there's still a few, you know, high-quality teams there that are competing for that number one seed in the Cardinals, in Tampa Bay. Um, if Packers are going to be that number one seed, they need to win this one. I think they do. Okay, the next one is an absolute stink fest. Uh, it is the Jacksonville Jaguars coming up against the Houston Texans. But what I would say, I've been watching both of these teams a little bit closely just to try and understand, you know, coming into draft season, you know, what they're going to need to kind of turn this around. Uh, potentially both teams will be looking for new head coaches as well. The Texans are actually playing not too bad. Their little backup there, David Mills, he's uh, Davis Mills, he's playing really well. I think he completed 14 from 14 um, initially in that game. Uh, on the weekend, and uh, yeah, look, the Texans are playing quite well. The Jags, completely opposite. They're not doing anything well, um, and you just wonder how much damage uh, is occurring to Trevor Lawrence there. Um, we, we know about his struggles. He's thrown more interceptions and touchdowns this season, and you feel like he's got to press because, uh, you know, if he's not pressing the football, they've just got no chance of winning. So I've got the Texans here to win this one, um, and let's just hope that Trevor Lawrence can get through uninjured uh, for the remainder of the season. And hopefully, uh, yeah, turn turn the page on what has been a horrific uh, 2021 season. Okay, moving through now uh, to the NFC, where we see the New York Giants coming up against the Dallas Cowboys. You know, the Giants are an interesting one. Obviously, with no Daniel Jones, we've, uh, you know, obviously got a, got a backup quarterback uh, in there in Mike Lennon. He rushed for his first uh, touchdown on the weekend. It was as, uh, yeah, well, anyway, it's certainly not one that's going to make any YouTube highlights, that's for sure. But, look, the Giants' defense, they're hanging in there. Uh, they're fighting hard. Um, but, yeah, look, they're, they're coming up against an absolute, uh, well, a formidable defense uh, in the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and, and that alone will get the job done. And we want to see Dak turn things around. He is in terrible form at the moment. He is lacking confidence. Uh, I wouldn't say he's injured, but those injuries are starting to mount, and it's definitely slowed him up a little bit this year. So, yeah, again, this is a really good opportunity for Dak to find some uh, confidence. And, um, again, the Cowboys, they've just got to get a few key players uh, rested uh, as well. Uh, and then moving through now to, well, the battle of the best against the battle of the worst as the Detroit Lions come up against the Arizona Cardinals. You know, this is going to be an interesting one. In most sports, you would say when best uh, faces the worst team, you know, it's going to be an absolute, you know, drubbing 50-50-0, but that's not Detroit. You know, Detroit fight hard. They fight for their coach. Jared Goff, he, uh, you know, he keeps them in, in most games. Uh, they had a difficult uh, difficult loss again on the weekend. Um, yeah, obviously cannot tip Detroit, but it will be closer than what a lot of people expect. But Arizona will win that one quite comfortably. All right, Beck, let's uh, round off uh, the week uh, with your set of games. All right. Starting with my first game is Broncos against Bengals. 
And I feel like we talk about the Broncos like this every week, right? Like, are they good? Are they not good? Like, I feel like it's so hard to tell whether they are playing well or not. Cause I feel like their defense is quite strong and I feel like they are capable of winning games, but this offense just, I don't know, some weeks it looks great. And then some weeks it looks absolute trash. And I think coming up against the Bengals, it's really going to show whether they are a good team or not. Cause I feel like Bengals are in full form at the moment. Like I feel like they are heading to playoffs. Like they could potentially clinch their division. Like they are playing well at the moment. And I think that, yeah, the Bengals are going to take the Broncos in this game just cause I think they are a little bit, bit in 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 a rhythm of winning yeah and i think it's going to be interesting with uh with denver because obviously we just want to do a quick shout out to demarius thomas's family um passed away uh at a very 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 young age um in his early 30s there in in in, uh, tragic circumstances but um you know i guess back off the back of that you saw that emotional win on the weekend um you know i i think it could give him a little bit towards back end of the season but again um all, all best wishes uh to demaris's uh, family um shout out to him that's uh, definitely a tragic story but hopefully that gives um you know denver something to play for a little bit towards back into this season yeah 100% it was yeah it was really beautiful to see the dedication that they gave to him at the beginning of the game and then whenever they made big plays on the sideline they would go and you know put the ball in that 88 on the sideline so it was beautiful to see and it could like you said potentially bring a big big boost to the end of their season and they could end really strongly off the back of that he was definitely with it for that game I think I think you could see it in the players faces you could see it in the way they played and just that respect that they showed him and and everything like that so he was definitely with them for that game for sure Yeah. All right. The next game I have is 49ers v Falcons. Again, I feel like this is a bit of a tough one because like the Falcons are kind of like the Broncos. I feel like sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're not like Matt Ryan plays really well. And then he doesn't like it's, it's so hard to tell, but again, I feel like the 49ers are a bit like the Bengals at the moment. Like they they've come like, since they've had their bye week I feel like they've been on a really big high. They've, I mean, they lost to Seattle last week, but, you know, that was a really close game. It's a division rival. It's always going to be a tough one. But then um, every other game that they've played, I feel like they've been super impressive and you can't really go past George Kittle. Like he's killing it. Any red zone, you're giving it to him and he's getting up and getting the ball and scoring. And I think that's what this game is going to be. It's going to be a, a Garoppolo to Kittle kind of game against these Falcons. And, yeah, 49ers are going to win. Um, next up I have... Um, Rams versus Seattle Seahawks. Another division rivalry game. This is going to be my underdog pick of the week just because I feel like Seattle, we've won two games in a row now. You know, we're coming off the back of our season. We are now potentially in playoff contention because of the win this week. So, you know, if we win the next few games, we may get in there and may have a chance um, to get into the playoffs. And like I said, division games are always really close. You never know how it's going to go and, you know, what's going to happen. And these Rams, this Rams team, I feel like they started really strong and they were like one of the teams to beat. Like it was a team everyone was talking about. And then I feel like throughout the season, they've kind of just like plateaued and kind of just like skate through winning some big games, but also losing some big games and kind of like, they're just, they're not really impressive anymore. Like I feel like they're missing something and that missing something could be, you know, what hurts them in this game against Seattle. Um, the next game I have is Bucks, Bucks versus Saints. Um, and I think um, Barker said off air before we started recording that um, Bucks always lose to Saints, but I just can't see that happening. Like I just can't like it's, 
Tom Brady, like he's, he's, he just had, you know, a pr- really good game against the Bills this week, super close game in overtime, but I just, the Saints are not looking like themselves. Like there's no Drew Brees. Like you can't compare this year's Saints to last year's Saints. Like it's just not the same. So the Bucks are winning this one. Haven't the Saints already beat the Bucks though? Like one of the Bucks losses came to the Saints this yeah, season, right? They're, they're, they're yeah. absolutely so, uh, crypto. Well, this is this is this is going to be a redemption game for Brady. Hopefully, I may be eating my words, but no, but it, it, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch because Todd Bowles, the DC. I mean, how hard is it to figure out the Saints' offense? It's throw the ball to the Kamara. Everyone knows that's exactly what what's going to happen. So um, anyway, it, it's definitely Tom's uh, kryptonite. We'll see how that one goes. It is, and he's coming up against a different quarterback again in these scenes, right? Because Taysom Hill is starting, and last time he played them, it was Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, Simeon. Oh, Simeon. So, like, how do you scout this offense? You're right. But, yeah, again, I think this defense is healthy at the moment. They're playing really well. Yeah, and the Bucs are going to win this one. And then the last game I have is Bears versus Vikings. I mean, after watching the Bears play this week, I was like really impressed with how they came out and competed against this Green Bay team who is like the best team in the league at the moment. So to have such a close game, uh, not my words, it's the words of, you know, everyone talking about Green Bay. Um, Yeah, to see them come out and compete against them and play really well and be winning at halftime, like the Bears and the Vikings, I think are kind of like they have, you know, a couple of key players, but they were also missing some players too. Like um, Thielen was out this week. Um, So I have no idea how Kirk Cousins is going to be able to come up against the Bears, but I think he will. And I think they will establish a really strong running game. And I think it'll be a super close game, super, super, super close game, like to the point of like a field goal in the last couple of minutes. But I think the Vikings are going to win this one. You took a long time to get to an answer I didn't think you'd give. I definitely <laughs> thought you were going to go with the Bears. I think and one, now I can't, I can't talk to you for a second, so we're just going to hype you up. And I then I think, I think one thing that we can agree on is that it's going to be close. I mean, the Vikings just don't know how to play any other way. So I feel sorry. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I feel like the Vikings always win those. Like, they come down to those really close games that you don't think are going to be close. And then they win them. So I'm expecting that to happen. All right, guys, look, that's all the time we have tonight. Just want to thank my amazing panel, always bringing the heat as we talk all things NFL. And to our listeners, we just wanted to thank you for all of your support in our first season of Mojo Sports. Uh, we still got another episode uh, to release, but again, really appreciate all of your support uh, this season. And we'll be back uh, very, very soon with more NFL uh, content. If you did enjoy today's episode, please download the podcast, share with family and friends. And until next time, we'll see you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.